0: What's up everybody? I know this might come as a welcome podcast <laughs> like i I, I do want to start um i guess just to so, like thank you for you know i i had like again this is not bragging or um this is just a reality but i I think I had between it it could be three hundred plus four hundred plus messages on various platforms um you know i think there was 300 just on instagram for example um, between like good lucks and 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 thank yous and 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 um, congratulations and and that's really like special and and my buddy my buddy tommy rivers had a had a tough day you know and and he he posted his own post and <clears throat> on instagram and it kind of resonated so much when he was talking about like, you know, feeling that he's not good day, bad day, feeling that like he's not doing it for himself is, is really, there's really something to that, especially in a sport that has been labeled and, and appears so almost like selfish and so like self-driven and it's amazing to me that yes, so many people, um, obviously ever since the podcast has got behind me like i i think you're looking at um the amount of people that contact me now Has probably gone up by a thousand percent, you know, like, um, of course, in the past, I I still had good luck messages and I still had well done's and congratulations, but not to the same extent that like people, you know, get in touch now and, and say well done and, and congratulations and stuff like that. So, um, that, that would be the first, um, thing that I would, that I would say. Um, the the second would be that I'm really sore today. Um I did run this morning and I literally just told the guys that I I might regret that run. Um I like to run the day after like purely purely just because if I'm honest I just love running. Um I I might be just as obsessed <laughs> and, um as every other running nerd, you know, like I I I just love it. I love getting out the door. I love it it starts my day on a really good note and um so i was just really really happy to do that and if i'm if i'm brutally honest i just didn't you know i di- i didn't care if it was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do or i i think you all know by now i am i don't i don't really buy into that i don't buy into you know you should take a month off absolutely no running because you know that's what John Tracy did back in like, whatever, you know, it, it, the world's moved on and, and everything's moved on and training and, and technology and, and, and all these, and, and, you know, courses and, um, like recovery fuel and, and race fuel and fuel during the race, you know, everything's moved on. And so there is an argument that we actually recover a bit better now or that it doesn't sort of take as much idea. But the reason I said that, um, I might be regretting that now, is because every t- every time I like have a sleep, I had a nap and I and I woke up and <laughs> I I just feel more pain. Um, but I-, I I listened to a really good book on um David Goggins and and a guy called Jesse Itzler. Um and and, you know, Goggins is really sore after a trail race and um, he, he you know, turns the Jesse and his feet are fucked and all this kind of stuff. And, and he's like, I earned that, you know. And so um, any pain that's going on in my body right now, it's, it's good pain, it's fatigue, it's um, it, it, it's a testament to how hard I pushed. And if there wasn't pain, well, then it would tell me that I didn't try. Um, and that certainly wasn't the case. So um, I guess that's the second thing. Um, third thing look um i hit an olympo olympic auto um qualifier um maybe it's not an auto qualifier it's a it's an olympic standard um there was various ways to hit standards um and i'll i'll list those for you so at the at the world champs they allowed the the top 10 guys at the world champs in doha were given a standard it's the equivalent of being given like A qualifying time, you know, it's like, okay, you just came ninth in Doha, doesn't matter that you ran two hours and 15 minutes, you you have a standard. Um, So the way the standards were top 10 at world champs, top 10 at any world marathon major. So world marathon majors, as as you guys are probably aware, or if you're not, um, Tokyo, London, Boston, Berlin, Fuck, um, I was on such a roll there. New York. Um, there's one other. Um, World Marathon, because that's gonna piss me off. Um, yeah, Tokyo, Boston, London, Berlin. Um, it must be Chicago. Let me get the list up. I th- I think it must be Chicago. And New York obviously is the one that I um. Tokyo, Boston, London, Berlin, Chicago, and New York City. I knew there was six. Is that six? One, two, three, four, five, six, six. Um, If you come top ten at any of those races, um, it's also counted as an automatic standard. Um, And then top five at a gold label, which Houston Marathon is now a gold label. Um, Last year it was silver. This year it was gold. It achieved gold standard last year, so the field that I competed with last year was good enough for gold standard. Um, and then obviously the field this year, if you guys seen the field, it was even better. You know, I think there was um, ten guys who had broke like two nine thirty. And and so, interestingly enough, um, I'm going to slightly go off topic. Um, actually, let me finish topic. Um, so top ten world marathon major. Top five gold label, top ten world championships, sub to eleven thirty is obviously the other standard. Um now, I don't know, right? That's four ways you can qualify for the Olympics. The fifth was supposed to be ranking points, um and and that kinda got canned when like, you know, there was something like eighty people had um like, ran the standard or something like that. Um, so, th- this is where it's confusing. Paul Pollock actually messaged me today and um, was, was you know, asking, like, had I heard anything? Did I know anything about how this qualification might work? Um, and what he's talking about there is we don't know when the, if let's say the, let's say the world athletics, as they're known as now, decide actually. When we, and it wouldn't be the World Athletics, it would be, um, I think it's the Tokyo Olympic Association. So let's say they decide, you know what, we said 80 was the maximum, and 80 is going to be the maximum, so um, we're only going to take 80. We have no idea who they filter into that field first, i.e., do they say, The best way of quality, the best standard you can possibly get was coming top 10 at the world champs. So everybody that came top 10 at the world champs, if their country has selected them and it's three per country those guys go in first. So let's say eight of those guys, you know, um, and then they're going to say, and then next best we think is top 10 at a world marathon major. How many people selected from their country got top 10 at world marathon major? Okay, t- 22 people, you know, and then there's 30 in the race. Then do they say the next best way to qualify was top five at a gold label? This is just an example, right? And so then maybe there's 30 people that go in that way. And now you've got 50 or 60 athletes in the race and so there's only 20 spots left. Did they just take the 20 as fastest people? I don't know. What if, the, the, what if it said that they're going to take the times first? So, you know, we're going to take the 80 people that qualified or we're going to we're going to filter the results in based on the best people that qualified via time the the top 5 gold label did there's maybe nobody that qualified via a top 5 gold label go? it's it's very very confusing because because they if there was no if there was no like number like no max capacity if they just said 21130 and everybody this top 5 gold label um and remember it's always 3 per country so like when i let me if you if you go on the world Athletic site you go to results and you find all the gold label marathons, I promise you now, I'm one of the very few athletes that isn't Kenyan, Ethiopian, Moroccan who has ever came top five in a gold label marathon. When I looked through the results, because I was doing this with Paul Pollock last year, and we were like trying to scan through and see um, roughly where we sit, etc., etc., it was very difficult to find anybody in those results that wasn't, um, Kenyan, Moroccan, Ethiopian, or, or Japanese, very, very like little. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. I don't know. Um, it's a shame that I don't know. Um, and it, it's I don't know, because all the information isn't there. It's not that I don't understand the process. Um I just don't with with them saying that it, that it's definitely a maximum of 80. It, it can be pretty confusing. Um next thing, obviously, the race So the race was um, it, it was really, really tough. Um, I was mentally exhausted yesterday, like really exhausted. And and part of that was the whole week leading in with, you know, little niggles. And and like like these little niggles were bad enough that every time I like stood up, I was testing them and touching. I kept feeling the back of my hamstring with my thumbs, kept digging my thumb in and thinking, oh, that feels tender. Um, Stressful enough that it was a really stressful week. Um, But I think I said on the podcast quite clearly that it was going to set a precedent whereby – you know, it was one of the it's not the first time I've ever had an injury because the bad injury in London 2016. But I knew it was nowhere near as bad as that. And it was obviously going to set a precedent for the future that next time I won't be as stressed if I'm carrying a little injury. Um, So I obviously that's like important and it's dealt with and it's done. And um, I was pretty stressed the race week. Race morning was the first morning that I woke up and I didn't have any pain in the in anything like hamstring, adductor, glute. Um I had been massaging my glute myself and when I where I had the massage was just really awkward for a massage therapist like it was right in between like my ass cheeks basically. And so like it's not nice to get someone to dig their thumb in. So I I if people would like the the therapists would like use their elbows but like it wasn't doing it so like the two days before the race i like with like ibuprofen gel i was like massaging like down through basically my ass crack down to the bottom of my left glute and that really seemed to make it tender but got rid of the pain it was enough to like um like get rid of the pain basically Um, and i and i did that quite aggressively um, and, and so that, that kind of worked out. And then when I was standing on one leg with like my knee drive, I, I didn't feel the glute at all, which was really exciting. Um, it, it was obviously really windy. Um, and, and I'm not it, it, what what really impressed me about the race and myself. Um, and I, I do continue to impress myself. Um, I, I just really dealt with it so well. Um, you know, the first the first seven, eight miles, you have the half marathon guys for company. And so we had a, I knew we would have a cross tailwind and the half marathon course is different from the marathon course. So basically the half marathon guys got really lucky for two reasons. Their course had nine miles worth of cross tailwind and then they had a headwind from like mile nine to like mile twelve, I think it was, and then they had a bit of a tailwind home or something like that. I haven't actually looked at their course map, but um, I did the day of the race, and basically, when the half marathon guys went left, I went right, and right was into the direction. So if you like, if you imagine a, like a, a a U, and and let's pretend the first eight miles is the straight part of the U. Um, and then basically what you're going to go, you're going to do the loop part of the U and then come back on yourself to the finish line. Well, basically the cross, the cross tailwind that was coming across the U, like it supported you in the first eight miles. And then as you started the U, it started like acting as a cross headwind. And gradually then when you got to the other side of the like, you part of it like the big loopy part that was like mile 18 and then from mile 18 to the finish was the same eight mile that you'd had across tailwind now all of a sudden you had a really strong cross headwind um and so you kind of like from mile from mile like probably like mile eight to like mile 18 it was a very subtle crosswind but like when it's eighteen miles per hour, a crosswind still feels blustery, and um like there was one mile in particular, and funny enough, it was where I had went the wrong way the year before and and it was just it felt like a headwind and it felt like a little bit uphill and 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 it's mad like i I ended up running like something like a five fifteen or something, and like it it was just really frustrating because I knew the task at hand, I knew. I knew that if I ran a 5.15, it was going to be really difficult to make that back up because I knew that the final eight miles were going to be in a fucking headwind. So, like, I found myself getting frustrated, like, like almost like being like, for fuck's sake, Houston, like, Why you know like why today why why does today have to be 18 mile per hour winds and I knew like the next day which was like today was going to be like four or five mile per hour and I was just like fuck but like okay what really impressed me was my ability to just just switch off to that and and take that excuse out of the equation because I didn't have excuses right so at the end of the day when the race is over nobody fucking cares right, you know, like I've talked about this before, there's no note section, you don't send in an article to World Athletics and say, guys, you know, come on, one and a half seconds for the 18 mile per hour wind per mile, you know, I did the time, one second per mile for the 18 mile per hour wind, come on, you know, it doesn't fucking exist, so I basically had to just during the race just keep reminding myself to calm down and, and, and just fucking work, just get through it, basically, I built a strategy around every time I had a headwind was the miles that I just pushed, and I took risks, bigger risks than I've ever took, like, if you do follow me on Strava, and you know anything about my heart rate, like, I normally keep it below 162, 163, until well past halfway, well, you know, for some fucking reason, I didn't even get to about three miles, and my heart rate was above that, you know, like, by mile eight, I was already up at one sixty five, one sixty six, and and then like by fucking mile ten, I'm already up at like one six seven, one six eight, and it's just not the same from the gun going after five minute mile pace. Um, there was a real luxury in Dublin that if there was a little bit of a hill or you know there was a little bit of wind, didn't give a fuck. Five fifteen, no problem. No, don't care. Didn't care. You know, just bring that heart rate back down. Just relax at the back of the pack easy. Um I didn't have that luxury at Houston when you when you have to average 5.00 on the nose basically or 5.01. You just don't have that luxury and all of a sudden I found myself like like between mile probably like 10 and 13, I went from being like 20 seconds up when i had like the half marathon guys and we had a cross tailwind i went from being like 20 seconds up to very quickly i was five seconds down at halfway and it happened in an instant and then it just got tougher from there um i ran completely by myself from mile seven and a half until i caught two people that's it i caught two people in the last two miles every other step of the way completely by myself um How that is a problem is you're running in the middle of a main road, big fucking wide, think dual carriageway, and you don't know at the top of the street if you're going to turn left or right. It's impossible to like know an entire race course. So you're getting to the bottom of a street and you're going, oh, I think we turn right. (laughs) And off you go to the right. Or you're getting to the bottom of a street and going, oh, we turn left. Because I don't see the lead car. I don't see the lead guys. The first time I seen somebody was at about mile 23, and that was Tariqa Bekele. And I was like, you know, fucking go get him. And this is what pisses me off about myself. Like, it's a really good thing, but almost like my my autopilot has become so good that, like, and so strong and so, like, strong-willed that, like, when I seen him, like, you know, when I got the, like, um, whatever it was, like, mile – um where did I get to? I got to mile 23 and all of a sudden I seen him. I remember like being like, you got to go get him. You know, you you got to go catch him because he could be fifth place. I didn't know. I had no clue what position I finished until Haas told me when I was back in the hotel. I had no idea. I just thought I was 21 seconds off running the Olympic time. And I thought because how strong the field was that I was maybe like ninth eighth or ninth, because you know I'd only pass two people, but also apparently I ran the last ten K faster than anybody else in the race. Um that's really, really good. That's really impressive. Um something that I really appreciated was Haas telling me that when he was texting my buddy Scott, um basically Scott was saying he still thought I could do it. You know, he still thought I could run the time. Um, And and he was basically saying to Haas that I close marathons pretty quickly. Um, And that's a really good reputation to start building, um, given how tough marathons can be. Um, And so, yeah, like, it was was really hard. um, Stressful because it's the first time I've had to, like, attack a speed. And even though I knew... I knew, like going in, because of the way training had been going, because of the way Dublin was going or had gone. Uh, of course, I knew it was this possibility. Um, but but let me tell you, like the marathon and and your body doesn't owe you anything. Um, I talked to Alan the day before the marathon. Alan Story and and I was I was telling him about like you know the the problems I'd had that week and the weather and um it wasn't a negative conversation it was a it was it was a great conversation, but one of the things we talked about and we've always talked about this is when you reach a new level of performance, so let's say you know you were a two forty five runner and you run two forty okay or you were a two forty three runner and you run two thirty nine um often the first thing that you have to do is cement. The fact that you're now a 2:39 runner. Instead of thinking, oh, 2:43, then I went 2:39. Next, I'm going to try to run 2:35. Sometimes it's okay to just cement the fact that you're a 2:39 runner. I.e., achieve it again or close to that again. So. Dublin was a breakthrough performance for me. It had came off the back of Doha which was really disappointing and I sat there thinking, you know, maybe I'm just not that good. You know, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's all you've got like and and you know whatever like it, it hurt my fucking feelings. Um so Dublin was a massive breakthrough. So to be able to go somewhere and and repeat performance especially when it's such a high quality performance like like 501 per mile for 26 miles that is you know that's incredible that's an incredibly sort of difficult achievement um and so that was really important um, and and I definitely think I did that um I think it told me that Dublin isn't a tough course um I and I re- I swear to god I mean that like I, I for whatever reason just thought I'd find 90 seconds no problem whatsoever like for whatever reason i just thought oh i'll find 90 seconds like no problem gift Um, and that just wasn't the case whatsoever um it it, i definitely didn't find 90 seconds and now the wind definitely played a role in that but what made houston tough is that every single mile is flat so like you, you, there's no excuses. You have to just stay on pace. Um, and that's actually surprisingly tough to do. Um, it works to see muscle groups. There's just, there's just no relaxing from the, from the, the second that the gun goes, there's just no remorse. You're just, you just have to get after it. Um, and, and like I say, I, I, I find that tough. Um, that was really tough. So yeah, it it was a it was a really emotional day. Um, I was really disappointed at the finish line. I, I like my my buddy Adrian. You know, I met Adrian last year at um, Houston Marathon. He he politely told me when we were getting on the um, we were getting on the bus to um, you know, come back or sorry, getting on the bus to go to the airport. Um, and and Adrian said, "Do you remember? Do you remember what you said now when you when you came through the finish line and?" And I was like, "Oh God, no!" Um, and he was like, y- "You said the fucking wind took my Olympics." <laughs> and I, I, you know, I was like, "Yeah, that probably sounds about right. That sounds like something I'd say." Um, and then he said, "But sure, you got the Olympics, you know, top five. And I said, "You know, correct, it did." And um, y- you know, like, sorry for <laughs> sorry for being a bit of a bit of a prick um, coming through the finish line, but. You know, I, I also pointed out that the wind wasn't their fault-like. And it, it, was just, it was just an unfortunate day. Um, it, it, it was just a tough day. Um, so, yeah, no, it, like, but it, it, was really, it was really fun. Um, the, after, the, the, the time after the marathon is always really fun when you have a solid day. And when I, when I first crossed the line and thought I didn't make the Olympics, I was still really happy that I finished a marathon strong. Um, because there 's no guarantees um that 's that you know there 's definitely definitely no guarantees that you 're going to do that, and you can finish a marathon well i e maybe lose five to ten seconds per mile, but to finish a marathon matching the speed that you started is very fucking impressive um and I was kicking so hard to try to catch the guy in front of me basically because i didn 't know if he was going to be fifth place and could you imagine if he had been fifth place how close I got to him but at least I would have knew I didn't have anything left I I literally put everything on the line to try and catch him I had a massive stitch and my muscles were just fucking wrecked but I was still kicking up the well I did I thought I was kicking when I seen a video it really I didn't look like I was sprinting at all um so no, very exciting. Um, you know, it, 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 it leaves me in a really nice position no matter, no matter what happens with world athletics and, you know, no matter, no matter what decisions are made in the next, um, in the next couple of weeks or the next couple of months, um, no matter what other Irish guys do, um, in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of months, um, like I, I dare I say like, It would be very difficult not to be selected, even if another Irish person did um, run competitively based on the fact that I was the Irish champion. I was super competitive um, at Dublin. I've just been very competitive in a very competitive field in a tough day in Houston. And, And a part of me felt a bit sorry for myself because I was like, fuck me. Like, why the races that I pick? Are they always like? Shitty conditions and um and then I have to kind of like make the most of it, um and like all of a sudden, I still perform relatively well, and people are still really impressed, but I'm kind of like, well, you know, shit, if you just took away that uh eighteen mile per hour wind would would I have achieved something you know really special? I don't know um i I guess we won't know um so yeah, like like I do think I'm in a really nice spot um i I know that I'm gonna get a lot of ranking points from yesterday. So all of a sudden my my 12 month rolling rankings might put me probably in the top 50 in terms of rankings. Um, that should kind of put me in a good spot to be an Olympian. Um, it certainly should, it should count. Um, but yeah, I I I was actually looking up holidays today to Disney World <laughs> and then Disneyland. I I I feel like I deserve like some kind of like just just some kind of like time. It's hard it's hard to have time off in Flagstaff because um the, you're surrounded by professionals. You're surrounded by guys that are you know getting after it and um training hard and and trying to get fit and um or very fit and and you know topping that fitness up to go race it's very hard to to switch off um but for me to switch off it it probably means you know having to like fly home and to fly home my flight got there was like travel alerts and weather delays and stuff i was supposed to go to dublin on sunday and obviously now i'm back in flagstaff i'm obviously not um in dublin um but to fly home seems you know it's 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 a lot of effort to go through um those long haul flights can be can be pretty tough and um they're also just not cheap um you know long haul flights nowadays are upwards of 1500 quid and um, something like that a thousand to 1500 quid especially if you're sort of booking um this sort of last minute as as you know I would be um so yeah, I'm actually looking now and um yeah, like I say, they're just they're just not cheap. Um and so it it you know then it it's not that I can't afford it or that I couldn't. It's it just it just goes down as an expense that you know probably could have been avoided. So I'm I'm gonna take a bit of time in flag, um, a bit of downtime and I always run today because I want to, and then I probably will wake up tomorrow and assess where my body is and you know what sort of recovery strategy I'll need to put in place in terms of days off, and and then what the plan would be, the the in for what might be the next race, like World Half Marathon, or um you know Boston Boston Marathon um is the next marathon um I'm gonna keep it as the next marathon, like you know because I hit the because I hit the qualifying. Um you don't piss off Boston Marathon. you know you don't say, Well, hey, I've achieved what I needed to, so actually, I'm not gonna come to your marathon anymore. This is the Boston Marathon, and actually, the lady um text has yesterday, the lady that looks after. Boston marathon and you know this is the this is the head lady of of Boston marathon text has to congratulate me and um you know say she's really excited for me to come to Boston and and well done on the PB and and you know good luck in the preparation for Boston um but that's not the only reason that I'm I'm still going to do Boston you know with with the olympics being such a hoo ha um and you know there's a lot of uncertainties um there's a lot I can't control if it was up to me, I would select myself tomorrow, <laughs> I would say, you're selected, you're going, you know, book your travel, um, but it, but it's not up to me, so, um, you know, it's some of it's up to World Athletics, some of it's up to other Irish guys maybe competing well, um, and some of it's up to then Ireland um, to decide, you know, who they would select and who they would nominate to go to the Olympics and represent Ireland. Um, so that is just something I have to deal with so for me to for me to go from January to August without like racing my event, let's be honest, I am a very good marathon runner for me not to race a marathon in in um, February to February to March to April to May to June July to August seven months seven months is a long time, you know like that's a long ass time to did not be focused on like your event and a day that you can be successful and a day that you can perhaps move your ability forward at that race distance. Um I just don't fancy it. Um so I, I think it's perfect time and it's April nineteenth, and then I'll still have the May to June to July to August. I'll still have four months um after Boston to recover and Um, you know, set myself up for the Olympics. And I would imagine by the end of April, you'll have a fair idea of how the Olympics is going to be figured out, you know, who's going to go, who's not, um, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, look, I I, I don't know what you guys expected today. Um, I, I think there's, there's a lot of excitement. Um, I I actually got far more excited. I had about seven whiskeys on the. I had two flights yesterday from Houston to um, Phoenix, and then Phoenix to Flag. And so I had like three on the first plane. I had one in the airport, um, and no four in the first plane, one in the airport, two on the last plane. Um, and and it it made me just really excited and happy. And um, it it took my mind away from me almost and and i had this really mentally exhausted and and probably quite stressed mind still after a marathon your your mind still races a bit and and you know could it have been better you know was it was a good blah, blah blah like all this sort of nonsense three whiskeys down your neck and all that goes away and you just sit there and smile and and that that was a really fun time but i i also I, I also just didn't want to be super hungover like i was after dublin i just could not be bothered with that today and I was still a little bit hungover, but nothing crazy, um, and I just wanted my 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 wits to be with me, and um, so I wasn't waking up today hungover and then booking travel because I'm a little bit hungover or anything like that. Um, so no, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun time. Um, I, you know, I've I've really got myself to a new level of competing, um, where expectations will go up. Um, well, uh, an interesting thing, I I I walked through the, you know, the elite area and the, you know, we 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 have like, you know, you go and you pick up your drinks bottles, and all this and and I seen all the they'd brought in a lot of Kenyans and a lot of Ethiopians and and I seen them and I I walked sort of back to my hotel room and in my head I went fucking beat them all, Stephen. <laughs> and like I I was actually really surprised at myself about that. You know, I was like, all right, calm down. <laughs> but like it's a new place that I've got to that, like, you know, a part of me, after Dublin, like, I genuinely believe that, like, I told you guys that I think there's this myth in athletics that, you know, and, and it's a fucking solid myth that, like, Kenyans and Ethiopians and Moroccans and Bahrain and Eritrea and, you know, the East African cultures are known for being really good at marathon. And um and it's a bit like the All Blacks being awesome at rugby. And it just reminded me when England beat the All Blacks and, and the England captain said you know we're playing 15 humans and we're not playing the myth of the all blacks and in my head i was thinking well fuck you better prepare for the myth because it's earned they've earned that myth and so have the east africans but at the same time they're still human you know when i when i passed that guy in dublin and fucking roared in his face um it was just a kid you know and and i and i almost felt bad about it because he was fucked um and that's what i found that like my strategy to beat the like you know well well, my strategy for now let's say i don't go toe to toe you know i almost like do what muhammad ali did in and in whatever it was i think it was rumble in the jungle or whatever when you know he goes on the ropes and he tires is it joe frazier out um well that's what I do I just run my own race and I let them tire each other out racing really hard up front and then I just fucking roar past them with like two or three miles to go and I almost expect it I just I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and all I need to do I just need to do me I just need to run at my pace at my effort and finish as strong as I can and it just it just happens naturally all of a sudden you start picking them off and you know, I'm sure. I'm sure as I get better and I get stronger and I find new ways to, you know, new things to work on or, um, like you know, this 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 period was yoga and stuff like this. Like, there's always going to be things that I can improve. With maybe it's more training, you know, maybe it's not like averaging 92 mile a week when you know that these guys are averaging 110, 120, etc., cetera, etc. Um, you know, maybe you just naturally you're even closer, but as as the race is unfolding. You just don't fall back as much, and so in the final stages, you're maybe getting up right close to maybe even the leaders and stuff. Um, so yeah, no, look, really exciting times, um, and and yeah, like a, like a, a a massive thank you, um, and yeah, like what what a time to be alive, eh? Um, fucking brilliant day for us. So um, I, I'm hoping that secures the Olympics. That that would be a massive massive achievement. Um, and and if it does or it doesn't, it's a massive achievement all the same. Um, to even to even be in the the meeting, the selectors meeting, you know, or even even to be considered because you're one of the few that you know has that qualifying um, is really special. All right, guys, thank you. Cheers for listening. Bye bye now.